At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Back on the look ahead. I'm Scott Seidenberg here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Always on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S C O T T S O N A I R. Major League Baseball on Wednesday, I had major FOMO. Major, major FOMO. Sometimes when you're going through the board and you're handicapping these games, there are spots that you highlight and there are spots that you really like. Sometimes you dig deeper into the spots and you realize it's actually not a good spot and I don't like it at all. And it's a stay away spot. Not so much a bet the other side, but a stay away. Other times... You dive deeper in and you're like, I don't, it's not that I don't like it. It's that I don't love, I don't love it. I don't like it as much as I thought I liked it. Two scenarios here played out for the day games for me on Wednesday. One of them, both of them I did not play at all. One of them, the stay away worked out. That was the Mets and the Giants and the under. At first glance, last night, early this morning, I'm thinking these teams coming off of last night, just uh, the way the adrenaline and, and the back and forth nature, the situations, just everything to me said under in this game. And then I'm looking at the starting pitcher for the Mets. Thomas. Zapucky making his major league debut. And you know what? I said I want no part of this kid. I want no part of him whatsoever. And I decided to stay away. And what happened? The Giants tagged this kid for five runs in the first inning and four runs in the second inning. Nine runs, this kid went an inning and a third. Not a good day for your first major league start. Listen, I'm sure the kid's going to have a bright career. He's young. Everything's ahead of him. But this was not a good first start. So it worked out for me staying away from this game. And actually, as I looked back on this game, everything that I thought was going to happen offensively actually kind of happened 
except for Sapucky throwing batting practice. Because once the kid left the game, the Giants didn't score for the rest of the game. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, no runs. And the Mets only scored three runs in this game. So I wonder if any other pitcher got the start for the Mets and didn't give up four home runs, would this game have actually gone under? So that one right there was one where I was like, you know what? Good job staying away, Scott. Good job. You did, you did well on that one. And then there was the other one. The spot felt so right. So, so right. Dodgers, Nationals. Getaway day. Dodgers looking to, uh, Nationals looking to avoid the sweep. Dodgers looking to get out of town. They got to go to Arizona for a, a series that begins on Thursday night. Day game after a night game. And I wanted to bet the Nationals. I really did. And I looked at it and I said, man, I said, look at this Dodger lineup. No Mookie Betts. No Will Smith. No Cody Bellinger. Oh, it's, it's, all, it's laid out in front of us. This is obviously the perfect fate of the Dodgers. And they're laying north of $2. You could have got over plus 200 on the Nationals. And then I thought to myself, it's Eric Fetty. It's the Washington Nationals. And I've seen so many Little League plays from this team this year that I'm afraid that if the Dodgers get two base runners, the Nationals might throw the ball all over the field and the Dodgers are going to win this game 3 nothing. Well, the Nationals won the game one nothing, And I, I'll tell you what, and I said this last night on the show, if you listen to the look ahead, last night, I said if this game was a 1 o'clock Eastern time start, I would have fired on it. But the fact that it was a 4 o'clock Eastern time start threw me off a little bit. And you might think, what does three hours matter? It matters when it's earlier in the day. That's three less hours of sleep, essentially. That's getting to the ballpark at 10 a.m. instead of getting to the ballpark at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I would have absolutely played the Nationals if it was a 1 o'clock start. But I didn't, and it would have won, and I had major FOMO on this one. I hate leaving money on the board. But sometimes, you know what? It works out. Like I said, in the Giants game, if I would have bet the under, I would have been hosed. <laughs> that thing hit in the second inning, the over. So I saved money on that one, and I missed out on potential money against the Nationals. But that's okay. It happens. Um, there was a couple other spots here where um, – you look at, uh, I didn't want to play against the Minnesota Twins because they are home in their next series against the Royals. But that was a spot that we briefly touched on last night. Tigers wound up winning in extra innings, 4-2. to two. Uh, Jameer Candelario with the uh, home run in the 10th inning to get that done. Uh, the Brewers, they beat the Padres 
the only thing that I thought about playing there was the under with you Darvish on the hill against Aaron Ashby. Uh, but again, did not play this one. Thought the total of seven was a little low. Well, turns out it was right because uh, the game went under. So missed out on some money there. It happens. I leave money on the board all the time. What I did play, though, was the Athletics at plus 155 over the Mariners. A's win 4-2. to two. I, I, I don't want to, like, say it because, like, whoever's listening, maybe they're going to catch on. But why are the A's continually big dogs when Paul Blackburn's pitching? This dude is one of the top pitchers in the American League right now. He's 5-0 and with a 1.7 ERA. The A's are now 8-1 and in Blackburn starts this year. Should be 9-0. and The one loss, they had a lead in the ninth inning against the Rays. The Rays scored two runs in the top of the ninth to tie that game, and, they won, and the Rays won it in extra innings. But hey, if they keep lining up Blackburn as a plus-money dog, I'm going to keep taking it. The next time he pitches is going to be at home. Wow. I don't know if I can do it. Let's play make the line, Scott. Sure, I'll play. The A's are at home in Oakland, Monday, May 30th. That is Memorial Day, right? So this coming Monday. Is that? No. Yes, right? I'm not missing anything. Yeah, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Yeah, Memorial Day. They're at home against the Astros. Blackburn's pitching against the Astros against Framber Valdez. Let's make the line. I'm going to say Astros on the road are favored, but not by much. I'm going to go Astros minus 160. And I'm going to go flip side, A's plus 140. We'll go a 20 cent gap there. Maybe plus 145, give me 15 cents. I'd love a dime line. You give me plus 150 minus 160, that's a great, I'll, I'll take that dime line every day. Framber Valdez has been great this year. That is a matchup where I would be, <laughs> oh, this is going to, I don't know. Can the A's hit Valdez is the question I'm, I'm going to have to ask myself. I'll tell you what I'd be interested in in that game. The under. If that game is, it's probably seven and a half, would they make it six and a half with Valdez against Blackburn? I'd make it seven and a half and I'd go under. And I might take the plus money with the with the A's. But I don't know. I bet on Valdez usually because he's been spot on this season. That is a game that you want to talk about tugging at my heartstrings. That's a game that will definitely eat me up coming up on Monday. That might be a stay away spot and just sit back, grab my popcorn, and enjoy it. Because that right there, I don't know what I'd bet right now. 
but I'd make Astros minus 160, seven and a half. Let's write that down and see if I'm accurate with that assessment coming up on Monday. Coming up next, we'll be joined by our very own Wes Reynolds. Get some of his selections for the Charles Schwab coming up this weekend as we just got some from Matt Humans. We'll see what Wes thinks about it. See what Wes has also cooking for uh, some other things as well. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air. S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Oh, man, I wish he wasn't pitching against Valdez because then I'd bet Blackburn. But we'll see what happens come Monday. Maybe they switch the rotation around. Who knows? This is The Look Ahead here on v At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Scott Satterberg back here. It's The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Always on Twitter at Scott's on air, S C O T T S O N A I R. Joining me now here on The Look Ahead is our very own Wes Reynolds, who you catch throughout the network here on VSIN, as well as the host of Gone Racing. Yeah, motorsports. We love it here on the network. And there's a big race coming up this weekend. Wes, the Indianapolis 500, a Memorial Day weekend tradition. This is where uh, they kiss the bricks, right? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, always on Memorial, or the day before the Memorial Day Monday and really Sunday, that whole day is kind of like for motorsports fans, it's like Christmas Day basically because you start out with the Monaco Grand Prix uh, for Formula One very early in the morning here on the West Coast, by the way. And actually, Mikhail Miranda and I did our Racing Lines podcast previewing the Monaco Grand Prix, which you can get at vcin.com. Then you get to the afternoon and you get the Indianapolis 500. And uh, tradition dates back all the way to 1911. Of course, I was born and raised in Indianapolis. This is going to be the 106th running of the race so longest running race in all of america in terms of motorsports and then you close out with the nascar race down in charlotte at the coca-cola 600. how many uh indy 500s have you been to oh somewhere in the mid 20s scott i grew up or 
around the track. My late grandfather, actually, when I was a very little boy, was a the fire chief out there at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So he's the guy on the trucks and getting all the trucks out there to obviously clean up any of the accidents and Look, back in the day when before they even had the fuel cell on these cars, you know, if you crashed into the wall, you were going to burn up. So, you know, my grandfather had the battle scars and the burns to prove it. So I've been going in this race pretty much uh, off and on for my entire life. Grew up on the west side of Indianapolis, not too far from the racetrack. Is there a different feel for the Indy 500 than when you have, I guess, what is it? The Brickyard is there or, or is that the big NASCAR race that's there? Yeah, there is a different feel. When the Brickyard first started in 1994, that's the NASCAR race that was run in early August, there was a lot of buzz, obviously, because it was the first time that NASCAR was at Indianapolis. And look, NASCAR isn't just popular in the South. It's very popular. The television ratings in, Indi in Indianapolis are always one of the best markets throughout the entire country. But there is a different feel because Indy is the tradition. It is the race uh, for the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So, yeah, it's a little bit of a different feel. And now even for the Brickyard race, they've gone more to the road course. And it's actually made it a better race because that track, because there's not a lot of banking like you're going to see on NASCAR tracks, it's very flat, so it's very hard to pass. And it really, I think, you know, it was just like, okay, we're excited because NASCAR's here. And then people realized after a few years, this is kind of a boring race. You don't get a lot of passes on the racetrack in the, in the old brickyard on the oval. It's flat. It's very hard on tires. So, you know, that's why they've now gone to the road course for the stock car race. Interesting stuff. So let's talk about the odds here for the Indy 500. And full disclosure, I don't know any of these drivers with the exception of Helio Castroneves uh, because uh, wasn't he on Dancing with the Stars? He was, and he's also on the uh, Mount Rushmore, if you will, of the Indy 500. He won his fourth Indy 500. There's only been four guys that have done that. Rick Mears, A.J. Foyt, Al Unser Sr., and now Elio Castroneves, who was essentially a part-time driver last year because he was doing the sports car program for Penske. They kind of pushed him out of the IndyCar program, and then he came back with another team, uh, Michael Shank Racing. It's kind of a mid-pack, you know, lower-budget, smaller team, and they end up winning, and he ends up winning the race. So uh, this is the drive for five for Elio. He's going to have to do it from far back in the field. He's outside of row nine in the 27th position. Of course, 11 rows of three, 33 cars total. 28 to one uh, I'm seeing on DraftKings. Would you take a flyer on him? Uh, probably not this time, but I didn't take a flyer on him last year, and he ended up burning <laughs> me in the end when I had Alex Pillow looking like he was going to win the race, and Alex Pillow couldn't catch Elio. So, look, it's going to be discounted because they know that this is the drive for five, and he could become the winningest uh, all-time driver at the Indianapolis 500 with a victory here. Anybody that you like here on this odds board? Yeah, just looking in terms of – I'll start with the shorter guys. Scott Dixon is the rightful – favorite he's the pole sitter five to one he's only won this race one time he's one of the greatest IndyCar drivers really of all time if you look he's third on the all-time wins list behind two guys named AJ Foyt and Mario Andretti that even casual fans have heard of those guys those are the two icons and legends of the sport so Scott Dixon's been the best of his generation but I like his teammate who's starting right beside him in the middle of row number one on the front row, and that's Alex Below. I'm going to look at him again. Not getting as good of a price as I would last year. He's somewhere like 
seven to one ish is basically where I've been seeing him. And he's a defending any car champion. He's been one of the fastest guys all month. Uh, so Alex below, and they're part of that chip Ganassi racing team. And actually all five of the chip Ganassi racing cars made what was called the fast 12, where they ran for the pole on Sunday. That includes Scott Dixon, Alex below Marcus Erickson, and also Tony Kanaan, who is on the outside of row two, a part-time driver now, but still does Indy. And then former longtime NASCAR champion, seven-time NASCAR champion, Jimmy Johnson, uh, put it in the Fast 12. He's on the outside of row four. This is the first Indy 500 that the NASCAR legend has ever done. So I think Jimmy Johnson, just for people to have something to root for, will get tickets at the betting window. Like, I'm seeing him at Circus Sports. He's only plus 18.50. I would need a little bit more, I think, to really bet Jimmy. But he's going to get some of the sentimental action for sure. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because uh, when I was looking down the odds board, I saw his name, and I'm like, wait a minute. I recognize that guy. And, of course, right. uh, you know, future NASCAR Hall of Famer. Um, and, yeah, uh, you see him there, and, and this is his first Indy 500. So uh, I might put a ticket on him and just start rooting for him. So we'll see uh, We'll see what, how he does here coming up on Sunday. Uh, coming up, well, this weekend we got the Charles Schwab. And I talked with Matt Humans earlier, Wes, about Will Zalatoris. Um mm-hmm. You know, for the second time this season, we lose with him on a uh, playoff. I want to keep backing him. I know this is a rough spot coming off of that loss last week, but what are his chances here at the Charles Schwab? Well, I think they're very good. I didn't end up betting him, but he was certainly one that was one of the last off, and I may regret it, and I don't think that you're necessarily wrong for wanting to go back to Willie Z here because if you look on some of the stats that I modeled and I put that article out, comes out every Wednesday in Point Spread Weekly, also right up now at bsin.com. If you want to check that out and get your DraftKings lineups done at the end before the tournament, Will Zalatoris, if you look over the last 24 rounds, number one on strokes gained approach, number two on approach over the last 36 rounds, just behind Victor Hovland, who did make my card, by the way, at 22 to one. Also very good on the short par fours. There's 12 par fours on this par 70 of 7,200 yards. And Will Zalatoris, number one, strokes gained par four, 350 to 400 yards. Five of the 12 holes are of that length, pretty much. Uh, Maybe a little bit over 400 and change on a couple of the holes. But you get my drift. The short par fours, Will Zalatoris has been very good. So, look, he models great, and he's playing well. If you look, he's got eight career major starts now, Scott, and five of them have been top 10 or better. The only guy that had ever done that was Ernie Els in his first eight major championship starts, and the Big Easy had a pretty nice career. So, look, Will Zalatoris, a lot of people think, oh, man, you can't get over the disappointment or whatnot. He's got plenty of scar tissue. He's going to win here very soon. It just might be this week. Yeah, Scott, why don't you just bet him top tens every time instead of outright? You'd have you'd be up a lot of units. You can you can split them up a little bit. You half outright, maybe half top ten. That's what I've been doing, Scott. Yeah. Well, you're a smarter man than I am. <laughs> Wes, uh, give me some other guys that you like here for this weekend. Yeah, and I went with a lot of veteran guys because if you look, 17 of the last 19 winners here at Colonial are age 30 or above. Now, obviously, a lot of the top guys like John Thomas, Zalatoris, Hoblin, 
they're still in their 20s. But I went with some veteran guys this week. Tommy Fleetwood, 40-1, to finished tied for fifth. Uh, Good round on Sunday at the PGA. Webb Simpson, another guy that's around 40-1-ish. to And then a couple other former champions here at Colonial. Chris Kirk won here back in 2015. He's 50-1. to He was tied for fifth at the PGA last week, third in the field. For strokes gained, tee to green. And then Justin Rose, 65-1, to a former champion here, 2018. He was T13, but he was top 10 in strokes gained approach and greens and regulation. So the iron's really firing for Rose. And then my two longer shots, Tom Hoagie, 70-1. to you might, you might recall we hit at Pebble Beach mm-hmm. earlier this year at around 60-1. to Bit of a home game for Hoagie because he played his college golf right there in Fort Worth at TCU. And then Stuart Sink, 125-1. to Six of his eight career PGA Tour wins, Scott, have come the week after playing a major. So this is a big number for a guy that was actually paired with Justin. Thomas when Justin Thomas made his comeback seven strokes back to win the PGA last Sunday. And what number did you get on him? I got 125 on Sink. Ooh, okay. I uh, will absolutely take a look at that. Wes, hang on for another segment. Let's get to uh, some NBA playoffs, a little baseball discussion coming up next. I'm Scott Sadenberg. He's Wes Reynolds. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete free for cash all season. Enter weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now to join the action. Blue Moon made brighter. 21 and over only terms and conditions and other eligible restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Please drink responsibly. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. It's the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Rejoined now by our very own Wes Reynolds. And Wes, uh, what's been your take on the NBA playoffs so far? Because uh, to me, they've stunk. Uh, These blowouts have not been entertaining basketball, and I guess the only bright spot is that I've gotten to turn these games off a lot earlier than I normally would have. Yeah, I certainly did that tonight, Scott. I am right there with you. I just think we haven't had that signature moment. Look, we as fans, or or even as betters, we're not guaranteed that. Like, the NCAA tournament is one of my favorite events of the year, and it never felt like we got that signature moment or that signature upset or game that you're going to remember this year's NCAA tournament by. And sometimes that happens. And like you said, flipping it off early, I did it tonight because I was on the under. I was basically just waiting to see, okay, is Bam Adebayo going to get over his points prop so I can hit both of these? And he finally did because I was focused on the hockey game. A great hockey game tonight between Colorado and St. Louis. St. Louis down 3-0. This thing is over. So I'm like, okay, are they just going to kind of beat around the puck for the last period and a half? And then I'm not going to get the over six and a half. But St. Louis responded. I have to give them credit. And all of a sudden, they've got some life in this series, despite the fact that Jordan Bennington is not playing. But, you know, back to the NBA Uh, I like the Celtics for the series, and I did bet them after game one at plus 120. And now you're seeing them as nine-point favorites in this closeout game on on Friday night. Probably a lot of that is the injury. You know, Tyler Hero wasn't back. And 
Miami's offense, I think, over the last two games has really went in the tank. 82 points on Monday, just 80 points tonight, just not making shots. And you kind of saw some signs of that in the Philadelphia series where I think they shot in games three and games four, even though they won that series, a combined 22%. And I just opened it up. They were seven of 45 tonight, Scott. 15.6%. I know the basketball is technically, you know, better than my generation growing up in the 90s when I was a little kid following those Pacers-Knicks games. And look, those were not great games when you watch them in retrospect, when you're getting scores in the high 70s between those two teams. But it felt like those games had some heat, didn't, didn't they? I mean, you know, this just feels so boring so far in these playoffs. Yeah, and you and I were on opposite sides of those, Wes. Uh, yes. <laughs> I was the and you were the next, exactly. right? Were Ex- exactly. Listen, we'll never forget the Reggie Miller scoring the eight points in the 13 seconds but uh, and the choking I'm symbol. that Greg he- Anthony in the back. I'll admit that that happened. Yes, and the uh, the, the choking symbol that he gave to uh, Spike Lee uh, there courtside. Oh, it's gr- it great. <laughs> no, it's great to have that rivalry. And look, hate is good in sports. Or if you don't want to say hate, competitive dislike, shall we say. And, you know, it was great to have that rivalry. I missed that time in the 90s. Yeah, we just don't really have it anymore in, in the NBA. And what's, what's happened is, you know, it, these guys also realize that it's a seven-game series. And look at what the Golden State Warriors have done. It wasn't just last night. It's been every single time that they've had an opportunity uh, with a big lead in the series to close it out on the road. It's like, whatever. We'll go back home and we'll win it. This game doesn't matter. And it's become a thing now. Yeah, you kind of saw that last night. That's one of the reasons I did like the over because I was like, okay, do they now think because they're up 3-0 and they're the Golden State Warriors with all the championship pedigree playing Luka Doncic and basically a bunch of second-round picks, even though Jalen Brunson, I think, has really stepped up and proven that maybe he can be a player for this franchise going forward. But you know that Luka doesn't have necessarily a lot around him. They have absolutely no size, so they're not hardly ever going to score at the rim. They're just going to chuck 45 threes and hope they make 16 to 20 of them. That's what a lot of these teams teams are doing so you saw it last night with golden state it was like okay we can just outscore these dudes we can just outshoot these dudes from three and the sense of urgency wasn't there defensively and i'm curious to see tomorrow if that's going to be the same i think it opened 216 and a half and i'm seeing some 215 215 and a half but i don't know if that's necessarily moving the right way i think scott a lot of times in closeout games People are want to bet the under because, you know, okay, the defense is going to tighten up. You know, this team, if they lose, they go home. It's not like it was tonight, I think, Scott. And what you've seen in the NBA playoffs, when you get those 2-2 series into game five, and I even tweeted it out, I go, 2-2 series, game five are an absolute thing, and they still are because that is the pivotal game of the series because I think it's like 70 five percent of the time I may be off a couple percentage points where the team that wins game five goes on to win the series so that's why you see the defense and that's why you see it be so tight and I thought you saw that tonight it was tight especially the Miami Heat with that shooting percentage and look the Celtics didn't exactly you know scorch the Nets when you look they were 46 percent from the field they were only 10 to 33 from the three-point line. So, yeah, that's what you're seeing, Scott. This is a different game. It's spread the floor, get as many threes as possible. It's four out, one in, one guy in the middle, and then everybody just waiting for the dish for an open three. 
Let's talk hockey, West. You mentioned that hockey game. The Avalanche uh, failed to close out against the Blues, who win in overtime. And now the series is 3-2, going back to St. Louis. This is the spot that the Blues want to be in, right? Because they win this game at home. All the pressure now falls on the Avalanche, and we know anything can happen in a Game 7. One bounce of the puck here or there, and it decides the game. You mentioned no Jordan Bennington. Well, Vinny Huso, for a time this season, was playing uh, elite goaltending. I, I, I tend to think this series might not be over. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I, I don't think it is either, and you're absolutely right. Uh, uh, Huso was better during the regular season, and then he struggled by coming into tonight. I think he was only at like an 88.4 save percentage, and he was by I haven't run the updated numbers from tonight's game, but he was like minus 4.8 goal saved above expected rating. So that's one of the reasons I like the over because I'm like, okay, the Avalanche are going to just pound him on pucks. You yep. know, they're just going to throw shots at him. And then they got up three to nothing, and it was kind of like, well, you know, maybe we've got this settled. And and now the Colorado Avalanche, look, if you look at recent history, last three years, uh, last season they lost in the second round of the Golden Knights. Mm-hmm. And then the season before they lost in seven to the Stars yep. in the second round. And then the season before they lost 4-3 and 7 to the Sharks. So Colorado's been in this position before, and they've been probably, when you take a macro level of the last few seasons, they probably have been the best team overall in the Western Conference. And and they won this year. They were first in the uh, West the year before during the, the COVID season, and then second the year before in their division. But Colorado, if they lose and they don't close this out Friday night, this is going to get very dicey. I know game seven at home, home ice advantage and all that stuff, but all of a sudden the pressure's on them. And you've seen that a couple times already in the playoffs, especially in round one with the Toronto Maple Leafs. It was like, here we go again. We had a chance to close out Tampa Bay in six down there at the Amelie Arena. Didn't get it done. Now all the pressure's on us, even though the Lightning were the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions and Tampa Bay gets the win. So game seven at home, especially in the National Hockey League, the home ice advantage really doesn't matter as much as you would think. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I'm looking at the Rangers to win a third straight game here over the Hurricanes on Thursday night, Wes. If you look at the first two games of this series that the Hurricanes won you could argue that the Rangers outplayed them for maybe half of those two games. Yeah, I, I think absolutely. And and look, I did bet the Hurricanes pre-flop in this series and feeling a little bit less confident. And that's why you're seeing, I think, a discount in the line. It was 150, uh, I believe, when I looked earlier tonight. It might be 155 now, but... Game one closed about 180 for Carolina at home. And then game two closed 165. They won both of those games. Now, when I was just, you know, saying that home ice really doesn't matter, it has mattered absolutely to the Carolina Hurricanes, though. They have been one of the best teams at home really all season long and in the playoffs. Uh, 0-5 on the road, 6-0 and down at the PNC Arena in Raleigh. And when you combine that with the regular season, 35 and 12, 74 percent. But I don't disagree with your assessment in the fact that it seems like the Rangers are playing with house money. I think this is a little bit easier matchup for them, and the defense has been better because I lucked out getting that Rangers series in the first round over Pittsburgh. 
and everybody was kind of quick to blame Igor, Igor Shosturskin, in goal. But it was really his guys in front of him. They weren't blocking yep. pucks. They weren't defending at all. Pittsburgh was running free, and you're not seeing Carolina's top line do that at all in this series. Nope, not at all. And I think uh, if the Rangers <laughs> Rangers win this game, they will win the series in Game 6 at the Garden. Wes, I appreciate the time and the conversation. Good luck with your bets. Enjoy the Indy 500 this weekend. You got it, pal. Hit him well on the course this weekend, Scott. Thanks, man. There he is, Wes Reynolds. Check him out all across the network. Read his updates in Point Spread Weekly. Great stuff on the Charles Schwab coming up this weekend. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vsin.com to check the current betting splits data. The betting splits page will show you where the money and bets are moving for every game. And now it's updated every 10 minutes so you can see changes in all the action. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits are another way VSIN is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at vsin.com. Scott Seidenberg back here. It's the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. You can always hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Talk to Wes Reynolds about the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs and, yeah, the Avalanche had a massive opportunity here to close out this series against the Blues at home. A chance to win this at home. And they were unable to do so despite having a 3-0 lead early in this second period. It was 3-1 going into the third period. And then it was all, uh, it was 3-2, then 3-3. And then Nathan McKinnon scores with about three minutes left in the game. And you think that's all she wrote. And with the net empty, the Avalanche had a couple of opportunities, including one with just over maybe a minute and a half left. They won the faceoff in their own zone. They got the puck out. They had an opportunity to maybe shoot it down the ice. Uh, But credit the Blues, who were able to defend the play. Uh, And and I, I, I forgot who it was, but... There was a moment the Avalanche player that had the puck was holding on to it, presumably to get a little further down the ice. Once you get to about mid, you know, center ice, just you get to the red line, shoot it at the goal for the empty net. She probably just should have just sent it down as soon as you made contact with the puck. Maybe not even going for the empty net, but just, I mean, it probably would have been the same result if you shoot it wide anyway. But anyway, um, the Blues then scored with under a minute left in the game with the extra attacker on, tie the game at four, and in overtime, Tyler Bozak scores the game-winning goal, 5-4, and now it's a 3-2 series heading back to St. Louis for game six. And it starts to get real interesting here and real dicey for the Colorado Avalanche, a team that has been knocked out of the postseason three years in a row 
in the second round, despite being arguably the best team in hockey over that three-year stretch. And they are heavily favorites, uh, heavily favored on Friday at minus 170. The Blues are plus 150 for the game. And I don't necessarily hate the Blues on home ice. Stave off elimination and force a game seven. And boy, if that gets to a game seven, sure, Avalanche will have the crowd, the home ice, a place where they've been incredible this season. But anything can happen in a game seven. Anything can happen. One bounce of the puck here or there, and if they get knocked out after having a three games to one series lead, wow, that would just be devastating for this group. Coming up here on Thursday night, we have uh, the Rangers and the Hurricanes with that series tied at two games apiece. And the Oilers will look to close out the Flames as Edmonton leads three games to one. Currently, the Hurricanes are minus 160, Rangers plus 140. And the Oiler uh, Flames on home ice are minus 150 as uh, they expect them to avoid elimination and the Oilers are at plus 130. Um, I like the dogs here. I think the Rangers win on the road. I think the Oilers can win and, and, and win the series on the road. I've been impressed with the Oilers here in this series. But let's talk about the Rangers here for a moment. Gerard Gallant said it in his post-game press conference the other night that All four games in this series have been tightly contested and either team could have won any of the first four games of this series. And I totally agree with that because I've said it countless times here on the show, the Rangers should have won game one. You know, they dominated the first period, should have been up 3-0 instead of 1-0. They dominate the first 10 minutes of the second period. It's a one nothing game. Hurricanes tied at 1-1, goes to overtime, and then a fluke goal goes in the net, and the Rangers lose in overtime. Hurricanes get the win. And then in game number two, this is a one nothing game where both teams, I thought, played great hockey. This has been, if you are just a hockey fan, and yeah, the goals haven't been there. It's not, this hasn't been... Uh, like the, what was it, game one of the Oilers' Flames where it was nine to, to six. Hasn't been one of those type of, 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 of series. But it's been, from a pure hockey pers- uh, fan's perspective, this has been the best series of the playoffs. This has been the best series. Competitive, good hockey played on both sides. And each game has been tightly contested. The biggest deficit was the 4-1 Ranger win in game number four. And it's a coin flip. And so going into game five in Carolina, yeah, the home team has won every game of this series. That is true. But in a coin flip series, I'm going to take the plus money when it's, 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Beyond the coin flip at plus 140. I'll take it with the Rangers. I'll shop around, see if I can find anything better than that, but I'll gladly take that with the Rangers in a game that I think goes either way. If these two teams play ten this game 10 times, it's 5-5. That's how good this series has been. And like I said, I like the Oilers. They have impressed me. They're up three games to one. Their only loss in this series was the ridiculous game one. And they have bounced back from that game one spot. Remember, in that game one, they were down six to two. And they came back and tied the game at 6-6. They scored four unanswered goals to tie the game at 6-6 before eventually losing 9-6. I mean, that's just a bizarre game. But what that showed me was fight, resiliency, no quit. Had th- This team could have easily just packed it in and skated out the rest of that game. And maybe even it could have gotten uglier. Well, kind of did because Flames wound up scoring nine goals. But at 6-2, to two, they didn't give up. And then they came out the next night with a 5-3 win, then a 4-1 win, then another 5-3 win. And now going you know, back to Calgary for this game, I think they're, the fact that they're plus 130 dogs, I don't think that's right. I think they're the better team. I understand home ice means something. And and we loved Calgary throughout this season. There were moments we talked about it. We had our guy, Lou Finnecarawan, who's got the Calgary Futures. And, and we identified them early on this season. And we were betting them. You know, we were betting Calgary a lot. But I, I think the Oilers are the move here. I've just been so impressed with what they've been able to do here in this series. Right now, the Futures odds... The favorite to win the Stanley Cup is the Colorado Avalanche at plus 135. The Tampa Bay Lightning, the only team that we know right now that has clinched a spot in the conference finals, is at plus 260. You got Carolina plus 600, Oilers plus 650, and you got the Rangers plus 1,300, Calgary plus uh, uh, 2,800, and the Blues 30 to 1. 
I wouldn't play the Blues 30-1. to But, you know, I don't hate the Oilers at 650. I don't hate the Rangers at 13-1. to And then, of course, there's the defending two-time Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning, at plus 260. Hard to argue if you're going to bet that. I'm Scott Sadenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at ScottsOnAir, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Get back into the NBA playoff conversation. Plus, we got to get into NFL. So OTAs have begun. How important is it to be there? What does it mean when your player's not there? Plenty of discussion coming up here on The Look Ahead here on VCNV Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.